This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Future of the Business World podcast. I'm Diana Drake, Managing Editor of Knowledge at Wharton High School, the only online business journal for high school students. We're part of the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. The mission of this podcast is to explore the future of the business world through the eyes of teen entrepreneurs and innovators. As the world constantly changes and evolves, young trailblazers are embracing the entrepreneurial mindset and finding ways to solve problems and understand emerging trends. They are identifying market needs, creating products, providing critical services, and designing innovative projects. We have met some amazing future business leaders, and we want to introduce them and their ideas to you. Camilo Saiz is 17 and a junior at the Benjamin School in Palm Beach, Florida. Hi, Camilo. Welcome to the Future of the Business World. Hi, Mrs. Drake. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Camilo has crossed paths with us before. He came to Wharton in Philadelphia for our summer program in finance and more recently took part in our two-week online course known as none other than Future of the Business World. Are you ready to tackle the world of business and finance after spending time at Wharton? Yes, I've had some awesome opportunities and awesome adventures at Wharton. Last summer, I did the finance program and I learned a lot about financial literacy and it really motivated me to further pursue my educational goals. Excellent. So Camilo's story is less about the education he's getting and more about his goals as an educator, which reach into his home of Bogota, Colombia. The beginning is always a great place to start So can you tell us about growing up in Colombia, Camilo? What was it like and do you feel it exposed you to a unique perspective on the world? So first of all, you know, I just like to say, I believe the Bogota, Colombia is one of the most beautiful places in the world. I think that it's a country that is very often misunderstood and it's filled with beautiful culture and the people of Colombia are absolutely beautiful in every sort of way. Their hearts, they're just amazing, amazing people. But then diving into what it's like to grow up there, It's definitely very different than growing up in America. And I most certainly had a very different childhood than a lot of my friends and peers did in the sense that I was exposed to a lot of different aspects of the world. Growing up in Colombia, I remember I would take the bus to school every morning and we drive through some impoverished parts of the city in which, you know, just see people in the streets begging for money. People would be struggling to get to school. We were so lucky to have a bus, so blessed. And I just really want to think back to the greatest difference was just every single morning seeing these people and thinking we're so blessed to have everything we have. And when it comes to the social aspect of growing up in Colombia, there is certainly a wall that divides the different classes, but With that being said, there is a great emphasis on many different levels of giving back to the community. And I believe that it's through projects that I was involved with, with my family, with friends, through school, that motivated me really to help the other people because I believe that helping others is contagious and that you realize how much of an impact you can have on others. And, you know, that has just been a motivation for me, especially moving to America to make the best out of my studies and hopefully be able to give back to my country that, in all honesty, is what made me who I am. So I want to hear more about that. You moved to America when you were 12, and yet you still felt that pull toward your home country. 
the pull to help educate youth and prepare them for the future. So once you were in the US, how did you begin to have a lasting impact in Colombia? So actually the summer before I moved to America, right before my fifth grade year, I was doing work that summer in a school in Colombia and we were helping to teach English classes to the kids there. And I remember that one of the biggest struggles was that they didn't have enough books for the whole class. So I set my goal that that summer I was going to raise $500. And like any other 12-year-old, what else do you go to? I decided that I was going to build the lemonade stand. So at the time, my parents actually, they offered to buy the lemonade stand for me. But the stubborn little 12-year-old I was said that I was going to build it myself, which was 10 times harder than buying it would have been and probably three times as expensive. But I did it. It was it was hard. It was actually a lot of fun. It took two or three weeks to make with my dad. It was really bonding. And everything was perfect, right? I had the lemonade stand, the lemonade, everything. Except that uh, no one was buying it, actually. And it was really frustrating because it was just perfect. Like, what could have gone wrong? And then I started to look and analyze everything that had been happening. And I realized that one key thing is that everyone that walked by, even if they bought them later or not, they're like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's so nice. So then I realized everyone likes it. So why are they not buying it? And then I guess I got a little clever and I realized that maybe if I didn't ask for any money, people would think it was cute and leave me a tip. So I remember I walked into the house one hot Saturday and I actually took the plants out of my one of my mom's pots and I put a big a sign, a paper sign that said tips, the four magical letters. And believe it or not, I actually made more money that day than I had in the past two weeks of trying to sell lemonade. I remember the first day I made $112. Everyone was leaving tips. I thought it was so cute. And a lot of people wouldn't even buy the lemonade. They just, or take the lemonade because the lemonade was for free at that point. I and then after that i realized that i should do once a week so once a week i would go out it's a free lemonade and the big jar of tips and people would give me a lot of money by the end of the summer not only had i raised twice my goal to buy the books in colombia but i actually had enough money to pay back for the table supplies and everything lots of valuable lessons in that i'm sure and and so that was really the beginning of a journey for you right and giving back to your country um, today, you're exploring ways to connect Colombia to the rest of the world. Tell us more about your education project and how it has evolved. Yeah, so I guess the, that was the first time I really felt that there's more about giving back than from getting. And I guess it further motivated me, or not only just motivated me, but kind of taught me that it was my responsibility to do whatever it was that I could do to help these kids in Colombia. Because I remember that summer, I think, I raised about $900 or so, which to an American, that sounds like a good fundraiser. But to these kids in Colombia, $900, that, that's, that's how much they can make in a year, their parents make in a year. So I feel like it's my responsibility to use all the resources that I have in order to help these people in Colombia and all over the world reach limits that they didn't see as possible before. And I guess that what this did was that it, kickstarted a project that I'm working in right now, which is that I'm building an online platform in which I am teaching financial literacy lessons to children in Colombia for free. And I'm providing this software for free to some schools that I've been in touch with, one of them being El Hogar Nada, in which I'm helping by giving 
um, English classes by Zoom right now. And they're actually going to install my platform as part of the seniors, like, final graduating project, and they're going to have to take it. And what started with a little lemonade stand has now grown into a big program that hopefully by the end of next school year, hundreds of kids are going to have completed. And right now what has evolved to is that I've realized that now that I have the, the means to provide this program, I need to pay more attention to the lives of this kid. So I started this program and I partnered with El Hogar No Granada in which I have raised enough money to actually adopt four kids by now. And what that means is that we provide a food for them and their families for a whole year's worth. We provide the schooling, all the book supplies and everything, and we provide internet access for their homes. And it's crazy, but all of that, that's just a thousand dollars a year. So it has involved into that now. Have you learned anything about the lives of the students that you've adopted? Yes, of course. So part of the adoption program and when we get people to donate money is that they, the kids, they kind of feel a responsibility towards the people that adopt them. So what that means is that you can actually talk to them whenever you want to and you can schedule to talk to them once a week and you can ask them how school's going and everything. And at the end of the day, you, you really hear some really heartwarming stories. I remember one time, I was talking to one of the, the teachers in the school and she told me the story that they realized that someone was stealing food from the kitchen, but they didn't, didn't know what to do. They didn't, they didn't know what to say. They didn't know if they should get this kid in trouble, but they realized that food was missing and missing and missing every day until they, they brought it up to the student. And the student said that whatever food he got from the school, that was the food that the whole family of five was going to get for the whole day. So then they started this program in which they would put food in the kids' backpacks when everyone was at lunch, so no one would notice we needed to eat food. And they would actually feed the whole families. And that's how it became into the adoption program to feed the whole families. Very cool. Yeah. How do you feel financial literacy, which is really helping people to develop money skills and be able to manage their money and feel empowered, how do you feel that's going to help the students that you're teaching in Colombia? So the reason why I think that financial literacy is so important to kids in Colombia is because I believe that the biggest difference that kids in first world countries have against kids in third world countries is the opportunities to access a proper education. And with that being said, financial literacy, which in the most simple terms is just how to manage your own money. Those are things that kind of sound simple to us, but to these kids, that's life-changing. And things that are so simple to us as how to apply for a credit card or how to pay taxes or how to balance your home budget to these kids, that you never get taught these things. And I believe that this is a crucial skill that they need to learn in order to bridge into the real world. And I believe that if kids have this education, and that can allow them to prosper in life and it can allow them to search for better jobs. And a lot of these kids from the schools, they, they, they learn, they learn very well, but they don't, they, they have a big gap between actually learning and then getting those jobs that they learn to have. And I really hope that my program will allow to close this gap and allow them to pursue whatever it is that they want to become in life.
Very good. And, and in fact, probably have a multiplier effect on the economy as well and strengthen that. So it all starts with one, one student, right? Yeah. And I mean, with that being said, I really hope that once my platform starts to grow at the beginning, I, I've partnered with two or three schools by now, but I really hope that it's accessible anywhere. And right now I'm doing the lessons in Spanish, obviously, because of Colombia, but uh, I also speak French and I really hope that I can make the same interactive lesson plans in, Fr in French and maybe expand them to parts of Africa and have a snowball effect. And lastly, this is far away, but my greatest goal, apart from all of this and educating, would be a microfinance program. And what the microfinance program would consist of is creating a system in which small businesses, which doesn't really have the same definition as here in America, small businesses in Colombia are people that have maybe one cow or two cows. That's what I mean by small businesses. So a system in which people here in America can donate small amounts of money and make a small $10 loan, $6 loan, which to Americans or people that live in this type of countries isn't that much. But to these people, $6, that's a whole week worth of food. They do their things right. So the microfinancing problem, what it does is that it provides all these people the opportunity to collect small amounts of money from different people and pay back a very, very little interest rate, if any interest rate. And they're able to help grow their little economies and their little businesses. If you set up a lemonade stand today, which is really the quintessential symbol of entrepreneurship, um, what would it mean to you? What has entrepreneurship come to mean to you today? So when you ask me what entrepreneurship means, I could give you a thousand different answers to that. But I think that it, what it really means, what it really means is that you need to go out and do it. You know, the work ethic is everything. You know, there's nothing stopping us, any of us, from doing whatever it is that we want to do in life. And most of the time when you know, we think that something's stopping us, it's actually us. We're the ones that are stopping us. And the other thing is that there will always be plenty of ideas that you will have, but you need to execute them or otherwise they're just ideas. They're just thoughts. That's all it is. And I guess that something that I kind of touched upon with the Lemonade Sense story is that, you know, you can have the idea, you try to execute it and it doesn't work. Well, you need to get back up, think outside the box and try something different. And we're all going to fail, but I probably wouldn't say the word fail. We're all going to, have things not turn out the way we want them to in life. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay. And what we need to do when that happens is we need to learn from our mistakes. And the only real way of failing is by having something not work out and then not learning from those mistakes and then applying them to the next time. And if you hear a lot of success stories from successful people all over, all over the world, they, they failed. They failed miserably a lot of times, but that only fed their hunger and and made them learn from their mistakes until they became successful in life. And I think that lastly, something that I want to touch upon on is that it's very important to remember that people give a lot of attention to age. You know, uh, I feel like personally, you know, people are like, oh, he's too young to do this. Oh, he probably won't be able to do it, all this. But in reality, age is just a, a number. It's a concept that doesn't really exist and what I guess I want you to get out of this is that it's never too early or too late to start whatever you want to pursue in life you know once you have a passion you need to be able to go for it once you have your passion you need to be able to 
do it because again it's all you sure life's gonna kick you back a hundred times but you need to get back up and no, I think the most important thing is, again, age is just a number. There's nothing stopping you. And I think that goes both ways. You know, I feel like some people feel like they're too old in life to start doing what they love. And that is not true at all. That is not true at all. One question I like to ask all of the entrepreneurs we interview on Future of the Business World is, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? It's a hard question, but if I had to go for something, I think I'd go for I really wish people were more educated about other cultures. I really believe that if people spend more time, more time trying to put themselves in the shoes of others and really try to understand where other people come from, we would all be interconnected in a very deep level of understanding. And I just believe that if we all really try to see each other's positions in life, we would live in a whole different world. I think that there would be more peace. I think that silly arguments would be less prominent in the world that we live in. And I believe that if we all really made an effort to understand each other, we could connect in ways that we just don't see right now because we're all so divided. And I think that most of the problems that we have here in America today and most of the problems that we have in the world are out of ignorance, out of ignorance from listening to the other side, out of pride. And I think that fixing all of those problems really starts from one's home, one's education, and really learning in an environment that helps you see all sides of everything. Excellent. And then, of course, we like to wrap up with our lightning round. So please try to answer these as quickly as possible. What is your favorite emerging business trend? Robinhood. One product or service that just makes you smile. There's this one guy in Switzerland. His business is that he he goes around Switzerland and he looks for places where there have been sprayed signs, messages of hatred, and he cleans them. He washes them off. And I just, I don't know, like whenever I think of that guy, it makes me very happy. <laughs> A technology innovation that just blows your mind. It's not there yet, but the the mapping of the brain and truly understanding where consciousness comes from, which at the time, surprisingly, we don't know where consciousness comes from, I think that's super interesting. The business person you would most like to invite to lunch, and why? Hey, Luis Carlos Sarmiento, he's a, he's a Colombian banker, and he has had such a big impact in Colombia. He grew up with 12 siblings. He would have to walk. I remember I read an autobiography by him. He would have to walk. I think it was three hours to school every single morning. And anyways, this is a guy that really came from nothing. And right now he probably employs tens of thousands of people in Colombia. And rather than asking him how he got to where he is, I would love to learn how you can expand your reach to help others, which I think is a great emphasis of his. Thank you, Camillo. Thank you for joining us on Future of the Business World, and I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I hope that all of you can learn from my experience and my perspectives, and hopefully this will help you in your own situations. Thank you. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.